Yes, hello there, and you're very welcome to a new series of this brand new podcast, The Side Life with me, Johnny O'Connor. Over the next few weeks, I'll be interviewing many guests covering from different topics from entertainment, to sports, to news and politics. Well, you're very, you're very welcome to join me here today on Tuesday, November the 11th for my very first episode. I'm joined here by, by none other than Abby Light. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the implications and the and the ramifications around being spiked to what happened. On a night out there late last year, Abby and her friends were out as a casual night out, just chilling out, just usual with her friends, when a male individual, who for reasons who we will not name, approached, approached, approached Abby and began in conversation with her. It was clear uh, to this male individual that Abby was not interested in having a conversation to him. But uh, clearly that this individual were, uh, kept pushing his boundaries and kept continuing to speak to Abby when she, were, when she did not want to him. It is later to understood that this male individual has slipped something into her drinks and therefore causing Abby to be smart, to be spite. Abby does not, uh, decided at this time to not take any, any action at the time because she did not realize the severity about what was going to happen a few months later and it didn't become a priority at this exact time that our main concern was over what what had happened what had happened abby says that she would recognize the individual who had, who had spiked her that night it was also confirmed that on september the 10th that abby was diagnosed with a with a swelling on her brain a month later it was also revealed that abby was told that her body was dying because of the result of a, of a bump to her head on January the 29th, there was a seven, there was a 70 percent chance that Abby was told that she was going to survive. Then on the second of March, there was an 80 percent chance that Abby would not survive by Easter. But on the 10th of March, doctors had told Abby that the swelling was gone, and it was an, it was an absolute miracle that she somehow survived. Abby, firstly, I'd like to thank you for agreeing to talk to me, Abby. I know it's such a very a sensitive topic to discuss, and I'm sorry that you have to go through such a mm-hmm. uh, difficult ordeal, but I'm just so grateful that you're still here and it's such a remarkable story. Can you just sum up to me on what you can remember from that night and the events leading up to it and how you were able to deal with the news that you got and be able to prepare ahead for the future because it was very uncertain at that time. Yeah, I think um, it's the night itself. Um, I remember bits and bobs of um, I remember the lead up, so I had gone to the theatre um, with a friend, so we hadn't really planned to go out afterwards, we hadn't really planned to go drinking, so both went to the theatre, didn't drink, um, and then after we saw the show, um, we went just for a casual drink, um, again, like we weren't drinking heavily, um, it was just one drink, um, and then we decided, because I hadn't seen her all summer, that we wanted to go to a club up and have a dance because classic Abby um so yeah we went to a bar um at this point we were both still pretty sober um and then yeah I remember a guy trying to engage in conversation and I'm quite friendly as a person um so I will happily talk to everyone um but I made it very clear that I wasn't romantically interested that I just wasn't interested in that way um and after a while it started to get a bit weird so I was like I don't actually really want to talk to you um and we got a drink and I just like the first thing I can remember 
is it just tastes in really bizarre. Like, and I know alcohol is strong, <laughs> um, but just very different to what I expected. And after that is when it goes a bit blurry and I don't really remember much. Um, the next probable thing that I remember is from taking that sip of that drink. Um, the next thing I remember is being in a taxi. And so there's an entire section that I just don't know. Um, but my friend described it as I weren't really paralytic. So my body just kind of went all floppy. Um, I went really tired, which again is unusual for me because normally if I have had a lot of alcohol, I'm more just hyper <laughs> um, and kind of the opposite of what I became. So I think at that point, my friend kind of questioned whether I had been spiked, but her focus was getting me home, getting me safe. Um, and then, yeah, the next thing I remember is just spewing pink sick. Um, and again, like it was like bright pink again, which is just not usual for me or for anybody really. Um, and yeah, and so it was while I was in this situation and while my friend was trying to sort me out getting home, um, she actually knocked on my other friend's door so that they could try and help her because she was just at a loss of what to do because no taxi was taking us because I was spewing this pink sick. Um, and yeah, and I, I remember falling. I remember waiting for my friend to talk to my other friend and I remember just slipping and banging my head. Um, and so my other friend drove us back home. Um, and all I can remember, and there's actually like um, a recording, um, which is really weird listening back to it now, of me in the car um, on the way back. And I'm obviously just saying things that like drunk people would say, but also I keep referencing my head hurting. And like the whole way back, I'm like, oh, like Holly, my head's hurting. Um, and at the time they were all concerned because obviously if you're intoxicated, you were less likely to feel pain. Um, and also me as a human has a really high pain threshold. So at the time, um, I remember my friend Abby asking, she was like, do you need to go to hospital? And I was like, no, no, hospitals are for losers. And I was like, cutting it off. Um, and they kept asking me and I kept going, no, I don't want to go to hospital. I just want to go to sleep. Um, and again, I don't really remember this very well, but Abby said that she had to carry me upstairs to bed um, because I kept just shutting my eyes. And again, I was just really paralytic. Um, so yeah, I don't really remember much of the actual night. And then I remember the next day I woke up and... I was just being sick the entire day and my head was hurting like no other pain I've had before. Um, it, it wasn't like a normal hangover. So I, but at the time I was like, oh, it just must be a hangover. Um, because I think a lot of people, you hear of people being spiked, but you just never, you never think that it could happen. Or like even, I was talking to a friend about it and we were saying like, people have probably been spiked without realizing um because obviously some spiking is not as bad as others but when it is bad it is bad because obviously I then left it a day because I just thought it was a normal hangover the next day I still had this pain in my head I was not okay um and then that's obviously when I went to the hospital and they found the swelling um 
and even then like I hadn't really and they confirmed that I'd been spiked at the hospital as well um because the substance was still in my body and that was 48 hours later um the hospital which I think is quite scary that that can be in your body for that period of time um and then yeah and then so they told me I had a swelling on my brain and then obviously as the months went on um yeah they said that my body was shutting down um because of the pressure of the swelling on my brain um and yeah and then in the early this year um it it was so up until christmas it was my body was dying and it was pretty serious but they were trying treatment they thought there were things that they could do um around december time they knew that i was dying and i didn't have very long left and then in the january um yeah an 80% chance that i wouldn't make it till easter which is crazy knowing that i'm still here um but yeah i think it's crazy because i think spiking you don't think that it's ever this serious when actually it has such implications if it goes wrong so my situation it went wrong and it was quite a simple a simple mistake a drunk person who had been spiked slipping but the severity of that is is huge um and was huge uh yeah so all the crazy such a remarkable story here and you emphasized on the part there when you ordered for that you took a sip that drink that is very fast like that straight away from taking the sip of the drink you went straight to remember only going straight into a taxi it just goes to show how fast when someone is being spiked that the effects on that can just go like that in a complete instance it's not like a normal like a normal person who would be drunk and like may take you know an average maybe seven or eight drinks to get drunk something like that that could you know happen happen in you know happen in in an instance yeah I think I think as well like what's what's crazy about it is as well is that I luckily had only had one drink prior whereas I look back now and I think it could the outcome could have been the same outcome could have been better but if I had been on a night out and I'd been a lot drunker than I was or if um I didn't have my friend there um or anything like that like it is it is yeah it is a very quick changeover whereas if you are getting drunk it's quite gradual um but I just feel really lucky that I hadn't previously drunk that I hadn't been on a mad night out and then been spiked because if that was my body and if that was my memory of me going from not drinking to being spiked I can only imagine how worse it would be um for people who have drank and then get spiked um but i also think it shows the how easy it is to spike someone and how you can be as cautious as you like but if someone wants to spike you they will spike you and i think that is a something i've thought about recently um because i i watched a video um i i think i watched it when i was going through it and i watched it again recently um about ways to avoid being spiked and I watched it and I just it was stuff like obviously always watching your drinks or um putting putting stuff over your drinks or not talking to strangers and things like that really 
like suggestions and I just thought like you can be as careful as you want but I was pretty sober and was watching my drinks and was with friends and did all the right things that this video was saying and I still got spiked severely spiked um which I think is is a scary thought that you, you can get spiked if somebody's wanting to spike you absolutely like just goes to show no matter how cautious that you are on a night out you don't know when it's actually going to happen to you and then when it does happen you kind of look back and realize how did something like this happen like when you look at the the signs you know don't accept you know maybe drink from a stranger or something that you don't know be careful around your your own bits that the fact that that these individuals can create up an innocent people and think that it's okay for them to take that kind of action and take the law like into their own hands is wrong in a way but the fact but mm -hmm. uh the fact is on the actual point that it is it can it can it, it can actually happen to anyone and no matter how cautious people can be it it just happens in a in a blink in a blink of, in a blink of value and you don't know and you're kind of questioning as at the start were you spiked or were you not spiked was it something wrong with the alcohol or not but then you realize that the, the severity of the of the actions that were caused it it can be a frightening end. You mentioned fear about everything that you've gone through. I just can't imagine that the conversations that you've had to have with your family and your and your friends that look, this is what happened, this is what that will have to happen to me. Look, there is a possibility that I won't be here for the future. I just can't imagine you telling those people because obviously you're still in university at the time, you're still studying your degree yeah. or the access, you know. Yeah, I think um, it, it, it was really hard um, telling people and also knowing who to tell and who to tell what to. So at first, I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I um, had told the people who picked me up on the night, um, Holly and Abby and my friend Emily, I had told them I went to the hospital. They said there was a swelling, um, but they thought they treated it at first. So um in the september i went back a few weeks later and they said it had gone uh turned out it hadn't gone and um, so i did tell them at the time and then when it came back and the news was that it was back um and it was serious um they because they don't know whether it went and came back or whether someone missed it the second time or whatever um i didn't tell anyone so for a month <clears throat> i was going back and forth to the hospital for scans and going to different hospitals and seeing different doctors um, and I didn't tell anyone for about a month because me as a person I am very stubborn and I was just like I can deal with it myself um, but I think at the time I didn't realise how severe it was and um, you always hear that head injuries and anything to do with the brain is bad um, but I, I kind of just didn't accept it because nothing was confirmed because I was having so many tests I was feeling awful, like I was feeling really faint, um, <clears throat> being sick all the time. My head was constantly hurting. And yeah, I was trying to finish my degree. So sometimes I would just be sat in lectures and I just wouldn't know what was going on because I was just in so much pain. Um, 
And at first, when I first started telling people and first started telling my family, um, I didn't tell them that it was because I was spiked. Now, I I was thinking about this today when I knew that I was going to come on and do this. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't tell people initially. So some friends I told, but I my automatic thing was, oh, I, I hit my head. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't tell people that I was spiked. So I remember in like the January time or something, or even I think as well, when I posted um, the story about me being fine and everything being great again, when I posted that on social media, some of the people who knew and some of the people I told, they didn't realize it was because I'd been spiked. And I find it very interesting looking back now thinking, I don't know why I didn't tell them. And I think, again, I, I actually don't know, but I think part of me knew that it was such hard news. Um, and obviously as the months went on, the percentage got higher, uh, things got worse. And so I wasn't telling them just once that I was dying and had this month long left to live. I had to keep repeating, repeating myself and repetitive, repetitively um, telling them that I my body was not great and every week I would go for treatment and every week I would say it's not working um and then they changed my treatment still not working changed my treatment again still not working and I think the ongoing news was harder than initially telling them um because I think a lot of people who are terminal or give a certain amount of time left to live they get told that once and that's that's how it is whereas I was told my body was dying but wasn't given like a time schedule um I had to go through three different treatments um I had to go through oh your body might end up in a coma before you die or you might die suddenly um one point they were like oh if you have a seizure then we can fix it with brain surgery if not then we can't um so I think, yeah, the ongoing news was harder because I was having to deliver that every time. And every time it got worse, I would then feel like I had to tell more people. Because um, at the start, I only told my family and maybe one or two close friends. Um, and then each time it got more serious, I was like, oh, OK, well, I, I should probably tell more people. Um, but a lot of that is as well like... Um, who to tell so obviously I have quite a lot of friends um I have a lot of family um and it was very hard knowing whether people would want to know so I I kind of um I think it's come from as my acting background is I always think like okay if I was in their position would I want to know and I think it's really hard um because some of the people I told said no we're glad that because it made us treasure our time with you um it made us really appreciate spending time with you and talking to you. Um, but some people weren't happy that I told them. Some people were like, oh, we wish we hadn't known because now it's all we can think about. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just really difficult um, yeah, to know what and who and when to tell people. Yeah, absolutely. Happening as you were mentioning, it was kind of very unknown and who to tell and what you were going to say to them because you know 
and we are clear from you know from their perspective like you have such a close loving relationship with everyone like you're such a friendly individual person that they got it's kind of you know when you look at from their perspective perspective like if they want if they think you know you know want didn't want to know they you kind of you know looking back on you know you know past memories that they've had with you like like is this really going to be the last time I'm going to see you like is this really yeah this really happened could this have how was how how could this have happened to my friend how this could happen to the person I cared about the person that mm -hmm. who I always thought was going to be there and and in an instance that they're going to be taken away from me or because of some individual who thought it was in his own right that he could go out and and do this and you mentioned and you kind of mentioned there at one stage that he as when you were talking to me before him before we did this interview like uh, that you didn't kind of want to take action because you were more looking towards uh, at, at yourself yeah uh, are you still at that stage now or are you looking to maybe highlight it more that like who's to say that this that this individual thinking that he's gotten away with doing this to you that he could go out and do this to another another person and the consequences could be a lot more different or a lot more severe it might be severe but you don't know there's something yeah there's just there's just something like that that plays on the the back on the back of your mind that you could have that you maybe at the time should have said something maybe reported it reported reported it yeah i think it's something that i um upon recovery have really struggled with um obviously i'm still recovering now my like it's a miracle it's gone um and i'm extremely lucky like it could have been the worst case scenario um but i think like i do beat myself up about it a little bit sometimes um and yeah because like you say this person could go out and do it again um, because I think people who spike other people and do this kind of thing, I think in their heads they don't think through the consequences and they don't think about the worst case scenario. Um, because I think I think to be fair, as humans, we we tend to not like you don't think that you doing a certain action could end in the worst case scenario because we always that's why we call it the worst case scenario because we just don't expect that that's going to happen. And I think probably my case of being spiked is probably a rare case, but then also other bad things happen from being spiked. I'm not um, the only one who's suffered extremes from being spiked um, because I know it could have been a lot worse as well. Um, in terms of, yes, what I went through was awful and pretty, pretty bad, but there are other routes that it could have gone down that could have been worse um, or just as bad. So I, yeah, I think about it all the time. I think whether I should have or whether I can still do anything to pursue that. Um, but it's, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult because I physically at the time couldn't have. Um, and that's what I have to tell myself looking back now um, to try and, get me through it because I yeah I feel like awful <laughs> um not that it's my fault and again like I couldn't have I couldn't have done it at the time physically um 
to be fair mentally like it although physically my body was dying like mentally um I was coming to terms with that I was and to tell people I was trying to do three jobs a degree uh three or four plays at a time um and it was yeah it was very draining and I think adding that whole layer of having to go through with the case or anything like that I one I wouldn't have a time for it um because of how much I was in the hospital or doing other things and I think if I had gone through following that up this is where I get torn because yes it would have maybe helped future people and stopped him doing it again however it wouldn't have helped me and it was kind of like I am a person who always puts others first and always thinks about other people um and that's probably why I struggle with it now looking back because I had to be I had to be selfish I, I couldn't physically or mentally have done it and I think I mentally I was pretty positive the entire way through um I was more positive than negative throughout the process um and I don't think I would have been if I'd have had a case to go through because I think it would have reminded me of what happened and I don't think I would have um been as positive or been dealt with it in the way I did if I'd have followed it up so yeah it's it's a tough one and I still think about it now um but I, yeah I do think I just wouldn't have been able to do it absolutely you mentioned that there's you know, reasons that it would be tough if you had to go through a legal case that you have to see this individual and the end of that reminded this is an individual that could have taken my own life but then but the one thing that is scary that for me that I find very scary and I've been thinking about it you know for the last while that people go and spike me but then you look at it then how in God's name that people like him are able to go past undetected past security past bouncers with you know substances or things in their pockets in their jackets that we have to get past security and all of this mm -hmm. and going to a nightclub and and you know what, I feel like I'm going to go and spike someone tried I have these substances, I, I've got past security. Do you feel that more needs to be done in that in that line where people need to be checked, maybe going into nightclubs, pubs, or the this for, for people's safety reasons because because it's bizarre in a way because this person was able to go in basically with, with drugs past security and bouncers mm -hmm. on detectives, it's very, very, it's very, very frightening. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I think that's, again, another reason why I feel okay about not reporting, because I actually think, yes, that would have stopped that one person, or um, reporting stops individuals. However, I, I'm a strong advocate and going forward like when I've recovered fully and um when lockdown is not a thing <laughs> um something that I want to really look at campaigning um and it, I don't know what I can do about it but I'm gonna do something <laughs> um because I think yeah I I have always been even before this incident always been surprised at why people's bags don't get checked before you go into a club 
um, and why it's, it's always put I always feel like blame is put on the person who's got spiked as in you've not looked at your drink or you've been too drunk to know what's going on whereas that's not the case and I think I've always thought that even before I got spiked and even and so then now I'm like no if, if that's completely wrong that we put blame on the person who's been spiked when actually um it yeah the clubs and pubs and places need to have a better a better method and I don't know what that method is whether that is searching because obviously people can still get things in but something I think because especially like I think back to this bar I was spiked in um and it's and it's quite a it's not known for somewhere where people get spiked but it has had previous things about it being spiked and I think surely that's telling the bar something that it needs to sort itself out but yeah I think whether it's checks or something there must be a better way we can deal with it rather than just be careful of your drinks or keep an eye on your drinks I I just don't think that that is fair or a viable a viable way to stop it because also it's like well why why should girls and guys because I I know guys have been spiked as well um even if it's quite commonly girls and why should we be so cautious about going to places and being spiked um because that that shouldn't be in the back of our minds because almost that's not us that should be concerned with that I think a lot of the bar should and I'm not saying don't be aware of it every time I go out now I get nervous for other people and them getting spiked but yeah I think a lot more uh responsibility and a lot more awareness of it I think as well um because I yeah I think that can help absolutely and have you been back to the place where is it has happened or have you chosen to stay away from it completely or is that you're looking at it now that that was that happened in the past uh this is this is the future now. I'm looking forward to the future and what I have now. Yeah, I think um, I at first I struggled. At first I was like, oh, I can't go in there. Um, even I would walk past it every day um, on my way to uni or my to rehearsals. And yeah, you can't. I think it's the same for anything in life. If you've had a big event or a big something happen to you in a certain place you're always going to think of it when you see that place and that that was it for me I had to walk past it every day but in a way I think that helped um because then it was about two months later um I went out with some friends um and obviously I was really ill um, but I was trying not to let anyone know and we went there and I'm such a big um extrovert and I have the fear of missing out so I was like ah I'm gonna I'm gonna have to just do it because I don't want to go home everyone will know that something's wrong and so I just did it I just went in and I am so glad I pushed myself to do that because actually it made me learn that yeah my life isn't defined by that one moment or even the couple of months I've had like yes I've learned a lot and yes it's taught me so much and changed me as a person but 
that is like not the only moment in my life that's defined me and again like you say like the future is so much more important and the present is so much more important um but I think yeah I'm glad I went in I don't know whether I would choose to go there if it was my choice but I wouldn't be scared to go there um and I would yeah I would happily go there um or uh, yeah or any bar it didn't really I was surprised I thought it would make me not want to drink again or anything like that um but in terms of that I was actually okay absolutely I think it's it's a remarkable story I think it's truly is an Abbey and I'm finding on people who finish up here is there any sort of advice you want to give to other people out there that have been that have been spiked and that you know or uncertain on what to do and how to you, you know cope with everything that's you know after after happening because as you mentioned there and emphasized on it very emphatically that the, that the blame always seems to be on the person that has been spiked that you you're the one that wasn't cautious you know you're the one that you've been looking out for, for yourself right everyone seems to feel that it's you 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 if that it's that person's fault while well, the person that actually did it it seems to be seems to be that they're getting away scot-free and it's like that they have done nothing wrong at all yeah um i th- i think it's i think it's hard i think because every situation is different so like i say like my situation was obviously very extreme um and whereas it really impacted me physically um as well as mentally so i kind of had almost bigger fish to fry than to think about the spiked incident itself um and i think i don't know i think for people who have been spiked i think just remembering that like it's not your fault like um it sounds so cheesy but it's like so true and i just think in today's day and age we just often no matter what the thing is we always blame the person rather than the person who did it um which is so which is so bizarre but it is the way society is so i think i think yeah just not like it's not your fault and also um push yourself like really push yourself and i think it's really hard but again it's like i said like remembering that that moment isn't the only moment in your life um isn't isn't happening now um and shouldn't stop you from doing things you enjoy so i enjoy going for a drink at the pub with my friends or i enjoy going to a club and dancing and it's almost like if you stop doing that then that's like getting spiked all over again because you're letting it impact your life um easier said than done but you you have to push yourself like i had to i could have taken a different route and not walked past it every day but i chose not to because i knew that i didn't want that to be the thing that defined my life because i'm so much more than that um yeah crazy absolutely abby i thank you so much for you opening up to me and uh, i think everyone including me is grateful that you're that you're still here and you're being your usual yeah, self. <laughs> <laughs> probably 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 have your usual look abby it's been an absolute pleasure i've been t- talking talking to you and getting to know you these last uh, last couple of months i mean it's really to hear that you've such it's that it's such 
have been marked for story. And unfortunately, today we have come to an end on today's episode of The Sideline. But you can catch me again next week at the same time we are chatting to RTE's Darren Maloney, where we are discussing the Republic of Ireland's international soccer team under the management of Stephen Kenny and looking for and discussing their international fixtures against England, Wales, and Bulgaria, and looking at what the future of the Irish soccer team hope will look forward to in the hopes of qualification for the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Until then, it's goodbye.